Hey, folks, one of the Redneck Country Podcast. You're on with Real Redneck Tom Millard. And of course, we've got the almost guy, Real Redneck Bill Tom. Bill, are you there? I am here, and it's a beautiful day for a podcast. I can't say I agree. I haven't been outside yet, but I'm going to take your word for it. Well, I tell you what, I mean, the, the weather's finally got to a point where even though my wife has relegated me to the sunroom, it's nice to be out here. <laughs> it's now actually called a sunroom and you're yeah, not under you 14 know. pounds of blankets with a blizzard just outside a thin wall. And you know what? I do. This is what we got to do. I mean, I got to be in a spot that's comfortable and I've got my my tea and, and we're going to have a great conversation tea. today. I can promise you that. Cut your tea. Uh, and sitting beside me right here in the studio, as always, as I cringe to say it, unfortunately, <laughs> is the patriarch of Redneck Country, my father, Real Redneck Don Millard. Dad, is your mic hot? It is, and you're right. It's a beautiful day. I had a great walk over. It's lovely. The knee is starting to work a little better. Not quite in the same amount of pain I was, but I'm here. <laughs> Dad, he is Good here. Deal. He is here. Had a walk over. And so we have a super special guest that we're involving in our intro. And so the first question I got to ask, Travis, is, and can I call you Travis? Do you prefer Travis? Do you prefer T-Bone? Do you prefer Mr. Turner? Oh, it doesn't matter. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to I feel that. the same. I, I feel the same. So are you a tea or a coffee guy? You know, uh, coffee. Well, I'm from Georgia, so uh, sweet tea. Now, if you're talking sweet tea, yeah, we've been sweet tea all our life. This half, this uh, physique is built on sweet tea, but uh, I'm just a recent, recent coffee drinker. I've only been drinking coffee for about 15 months now, so never drank in my life, and I gave up sodas and pops, and, and I said, man, I still got to have my, my little, uh, little bit of a coffee jolt or, or a caffeine jolt in the morning. So I, I learned to like it. I've always wanted to drink it, but, uh, ne- never had really had a taste for it. I mean, it smelled good and you know, you drink, you have coffee, little candies and stuff and they taste good, but I never liked coffee itself. And I, I just, I don't know. I've acquired a taste over the last 15 months. So I got to have me a coffee I'll uh, tell at least you. one a day. <laughs> you, you and I are on, uh, on the same oh, page. Oh, no, no, no. Hold the phone, the Bill. Well, First of all, I want to welcome Travis to manhood 15 months ago. Bill, <laughs> yeah. you could learn something here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I kind of got to agree. You get to start the morning off with a coffee, but there's nothing like a good tea to have it, 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 with a conversation, sitting down around the campfire or wherever it may be. I got my, my tea with a little bit of honey in it, which I consider <laughs> sweet tea for me. It's the Canadian sweet tea. It's actually hot with a bag and a string. It's the weirdest thing on the (laughs) planet. And it allows us to make fun of you. So we allow you to do it. (laughs) That's that's all right. I got big shoulders and I'm I'm glad. So officially, we should probably uh, have a full introduction for for our special guest today. Who do we got on the phone? Yeah, well... Uh, Do you want me to do it? I think we should pass it over. I think you should. So (laughs) I'm super pumped because uh, without sounding too insane, um, there's a lot of people that, you know, that will hold certain famous folks up on a pedestal and what you dis- consider fame is is to each his own right so my mother country music fanfare the yokerich boys look out like she's throwing elbows to get to them uh, to me they everybody puts one one 
your, their pants on one leg at a time. But for me, this is probably one of the, and I, I'm sorry to talk you up so much, my man, I do apologize. But for me, this is one of my all times because growing up watching on TV and understanding who you are and who our guest is for me, you're my Oak Ridge boys. So this Without further ado, folks, we got Travis T-Bone Turner from Bone Collector, Realtree, Archery Champ, the whole nine yards. So uh, I don't want to say too much because we're going to get into it. But, yeah, we're pumped to have have him on the on the call. So welcome, Golly, Travis. I mean, how much do I owe for that introduction? I mean, <laughs> I, and then you talking so it's. So good about the uh, Oak Ridge Boys. That makes me want to go well, viral. I got to tell you, we've done 78 of these podcasts. My mother's not listened to one. She's listening to this she, one she, just from yeah, that she's right there. she's going to listen to that, this one for, for that. And I tell you what, it is an absolute uh, pleasure to have you on, Travis. And we're looking forward to having a good chat today and bringing you into our conversation. Because like we said up before, we, we look forward to the casual, just figuring out who you are, sitting around the campfire, having a good time, cutting each other up and, and learning, and learning yeah, something the, and giving, the whole, giving back. The right? whole thought process is uh, normally we, we navigate to telling hunting stories, fishing stories and everything else. So that hopefully the, some of the stupid and crazy stuff that works for us or doesn't work for us, you could take tips on. But for this one, we wanted to go into like the, the professional hunter, the professional outdoors side and just understand what that entails and who is Travis T-Bone Turner and what kind of lifestyle that leads you to. And so that's where we're kind of hoping to go with the podcast. But before we get there, we got to, I got to ask Bill, what did you do this week? You know what? I had a good week and I'm going to, I'm going to be real short and brief on this, but uh, Travis, just to let you know, I just finished re- rebuilding a, a 16 foot aluminum fishing boat, made it into my own. And I was super, super hesitant because I hadn't backed a boat into a boat launch in, in six years. And uh, the anxiety was so high that I was looking forward to uh, not being one of those YouTube videos where you see where the guys flip the boat or put the whole truck and stuff into the, the drink. But I launched it on Sunday, and I tell you what, it went absolutely as I anticipated. So hold the phone. It, it actually worked out okay. How much did Can- did Candace back it in the water for you? Be be honest. <laughs> Candace and my wife, and and no, but she was there. She 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 played a big part of the success of this operation because we're couldn't couldn't have been done without her. She held her ropes. So your your pre Saturday well. test drive, hooking it up, driving it down, backing it into the church parking yeah. lot, doing a little bit of praying, paid <laughs> off. Yeah. Hey, you gotta, you gotta plan for success. And my plans was to make sure I covered every base. And the only thing that didn't work was a live well, which being the almost guy, sometimes it's not necessary to have the, <laughs> have the, the live well work it anyways, but everything else worked as, as, as it was supposed to. So yeah, you, yeah. being the almost guy, you, you really don't need a live well. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I was unfortunate. I've got the uh, stigma about me where where I've been dubbed the almost guy. So almost most of my fish. Hunting, <laughs> yeah, mo- most of my hunts tend to end up. Hey, Bill, did you get something? Well, I almost got something. So <laughs> well, it sounds like sh- I'm in the category too. A lot of times, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's where the fun comes from. Telling the stories of how I almost was successful. So. yeah that's it that's that's where i was at so well i'm almost afraid to ask but i will dad what did you get up to this week well i had a quiet week this week the highlights of my week are always going to the gun club on wednesday nights and i'm excited about going again tonight i'm looking forward to that but my your oldest daughter megan my oldest granddaughter megan 
She graduated grade eight this year, and this week we had appointments. She had appointments out at Pinafore Park to get her pictures taken in her cap and gown and her dress. And and so, of course, some of the family was there, and uh, we celebrated with her, and we all went out for snacks after. So I went home and got the, the 1923 tea bucket, and we drove it around to where we were having snacks. And, of course, Megan and her friend, they, they got in the car, and we had some pictures taken, so... We had a great evening. It was a good evening. We celebrated. Yeah. Yep. Snacks for me was two pounds of wings, but it was a good evening. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. So other than that, I've just been gardening and, and uh, looking after the yard. So, But it's been really nice weather. It cooled down a bit here. And yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. You done? What did you get up to? Well, I finally maiden voyaged the kayak. <laughs> Yeah, we got to get into this, people. And I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preface this a little bit. If you fish, you're a fisherman, people. Oh, I don't like to fish. I like to catch, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, a distinct Bill, difference. Bill cannot between... relate. The Bill... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just yeah, burns you. Hunter, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good animal chaser. It's not my fault. The animals just don't decide to stand in front of me. There's, there's a big difference here. So, <laughs> so fishing for 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 Todd has become a little bit different of a, of a venture. And I'm not sure if you'd be into this, Tivo, but Todd's taken up kayak fishing. What do you see? What do you think about that? I can't even relate to that. Cause I'm way too top heavy to be in a kayak, man. I need a little more uh, width on a boat than a kayak <laughs> provides. So, so this kayak that Todd has is, is supposed to be untippable. It, I tell you what, I think I've put it through the motions. I'm going to say it is untippable. Uh, I've got one heck of a crazy brother-in-law. I mean, we've gone through life together and I've got stories that I can't talk about on here. So my maiden voyage was taking him out on a gravel pit of a buddy of ours that owns a gravel pit. And and he's like, you guys go nuts, but make sure you got life jackets. I might even call some first responders because he knows my brother-in-law. So away we go. And let me tell you that I've dubbed it the battleship because I mean, this thing, when you say kayak, it is not what I picture as a sit in kayak. I'm up on, it's a mini bass boat and it's wide. It's 43 inches, 44 inches wide, something like that. I got a trolling motor, wireless trolling motor on the front. So we both tandem, we got in there, two captain's chairs in there and we're cruising and that thing it was moving and then it, we had he's he building this up and it sounds let me good. tell you let me tell you i got, I got six fishing you. poles behind <laughs> me all standing up top like they're big cannons yeah. out there like it's it's awesome so that went Look, well so what i forgot I to do i don't run less i'm chased and i don't paddle a boat less my motor runs out of gas <laughs> well and that's so. my thing when i bought this kayak i said i'm buying the one that can take a motor because this is the 2000s folks come on i ain't paddling crap so then i'm like <laughs> hey okay i've got it there's a, a big kayak bass fishing tournament coming up just three hours away this weekend i'm gonna enter it so i get on there there's already 85 entrants and so i i enter it everything else and then i read the rules and this is where i learned you can't have a motor on your kayak in the fishing tournament and i'm like crap so then 
I said to my brother-in-law, he, he, he got the bug just from last Saturday going out with me. And so he's been looking for a kayak. Now he's like, this is awesome. So he actually went and bought one the other night. And he said to me, all right, have you paddled one before? And he's never been on one except for in mine that one day. And I'm like, nope. So, so then we took him out and paddled him. And let me tell you, I'm, I'm a little more confident that I, I'm good to go. I, you cannot tip this thing in my captain's chair paddling this thing. And I mean, I was really hoarse and I was standing yeah. up like it was a, like a, a surfboard paddling along a paddleboard. I had no issues at all. So we're, we're good to go, man. I have to tell you what I'm pumped. I'm ready to rock. It's maiden voyage times two has been done with the motor without can't tip it. We're ready to catch some fish. So I'm hitting a, a bass tournament this weekend with it. I will let you know how it goes. And my brother-in-law now bought, went and bought a kayak. He's in with me. So, so that's what go. I did this week. Well, I wish you the best of luck on that. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. So, and, and Travis, you being on here, with, uh, I'm anxious to find out what you got up to this week. Well, uh, we actually filmed a commercial for G5 Broadheads. Um, and then also we, we did that. That was a day and a half worth. And I uh, can't wait for everybody to see that when it comes out. But uh, it's definitely outside the box for sure. You're gonna your jaw's gonna drop when you see it. So uh, that 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 was fun. Um, In all honesty, then, though, is that does that really work, or is that is that a whole lot more fun and enjoyment when you're doing something like that? Well, I I mean for for those of I, I mean I kind of plead the fifth on that. It is work, yeah. I tell <laughs> my wife work, but then let, let's just be honest. Uh, if it's just us guys talking. It's pretty dang fun too. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, anyway, um, we did that and then we've been getting a lot of rain down here. Um, I like to do my, my passion is kind of land management and such. So I've got, uh, I treated myself a couple of years ago to a skid steer. And, uh, I, I mean, that was my, I guess my midlife crisis. Instead of getting the Corvette, I bought myself a skid steer <laughs> and the attachments to go with it. So I bought a piece of property next door and i've been uh, rearing to go to get over there and polish it up and trim limbs and stuff like that but the rain's been holding us off and been working a lot in the basement uh, we're getting close to you know both seasonal start here you know late august and september and uh you know i i don't own a shop per se but i do have a shop in my basement and i still set up a lot of you know people in the industry and you know country music singers and celebrities and stuff i still work on a lot of bows so whenever it's raining we always try to dive into the the basement and we've been fletching arrows. Zach Brown, uh, country music singer is going to Africa in a couple of weeks and we had to fletch 12 arrows, 12 dozen arrows for him. 12 dozen. Dozen. <laughs> Holy smoke. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I said, dude, I like, or, I mean, even with your financial situation, can you afford the taxidermy bill that these 12 arrows potentially could kill yeah, in Africa? And no doubt. I, I, I was thinking, I don't know that I went through 12 dozen arrows in the last, 15 years if i, I mean, did like, my wife would stop me from from archery if that was the case that becomes like shotgun ammunition at that point yeah i i mean well he, he definitely don't want to run out i guess if i, I guess he's the type that <laughs> if he wants to shoot at a squirrel he's gonna shoot at a squirrel you know so, <laughs> um so that's what we've been doing actually and then um uh, today, actually, I, I was almost late getting in here. I, I mean, I walked in the door as the phone was ringing, but they're, they're, uh, I got a power line that runs through my farm, and they're trimming the limbs. They're trimming the sides, you know, 75, 80 feet high. They've got the – it's called a giraffe. It's got a 
steel saw blade on the end of it and they're trimming the overhanging limbs that's out onto the power line they do it about every five or six years so um, i've got a tree stand down there so i went down there and made good friends with the guys working on the crew and they're going to do a little extra trimming for me so the shooting lanes and stuff are are pretty good so stuff that i can't that's reach awesome. with my kids here, uh, <laughs> guys are gonna uh, take take some out so uh i had to come off of a few bone collector hats to, <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna like, ask did you have to throw some swag <laughs> their way <laughs> oh yeah yeah no problem so uh yeah they're luckily people that uh work in those type of crews are usually hunters too and um that we we had a good conversation and I'm hooking them up with some swag for them to cut a few extra limbs for me. That's awesome. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I can't say I wouldn't be like, um, a hat's nice, but, you know, one sitting in that tree stand might be nicer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I'm down for that, too. Yeah. <laughs> what is your, uh, your property, what's it hold? Is it got deer, deer, turkeys, you know? Yeah, deer, deer, turkey, and small game. That's about all we got right here. A little bit farther south in here, uh, hogs are starting to, I mean, you know, if you go about an hour south of where I live, I'm about an hour south of Atlanta. You get about an hour south and you get into more agriculture area, and you the hogs are pretty prevalent. So uh, we're fortunate we don't have them because – you know, a lot of people say, man, I'd love to hunt hogs. Well, if you're trying to manage for, you know, turkeys or, or deer especially, uh, you don't want hogs mixed in because it is a, a major nuisance. And you can't get ahead of the curve. You know, they breed three times a year. Um, and, the, you know, they have in a sounder, they'll have anywhere from 12 to 15 hogs. So it's, it's just, just about impossible to stay on top of uh, uh, managing the herd, uh, so to speak, of a of hogs. So it's. Yeah, it's major nuisance. See, and that, that's interesting you say that because we're just starting to see some evidence of hogs up, up north it's here. It's the rumor, and right? People are, are mixed. Yeah, well, it's, it's been rumored that there's hogs around. I don't know if we have the climate specifically support it, but it has been rumor, rumored. But I, I'm on the fence. And for as much as people are saying it'd be a lot of fun, to your point, they get out of control quick. Yes, yeah, and they're very adaptable, whether it's cold weather. Um, you can look, I mean, yeah, they're not real prevalent up north, you know, Texas and below the Mason-Dixon line is where they're, you know, running rampant, uh, where the winters aren't bad. But uh, I can promise you they, they can adapt to even cold weather. You know, if they get introduced, they will they will learn to survive. Uh, over in Europe, you know, they, they're a lot colder climate and they're thriving like crazy over there. So. Yeah, that's true. I guess it is true. Yeah. See, and I just they see do, They do a tremendous all. amount of damage. You don't, you don't want... Um, uh, hogs at all no I, I mean between agriculture i mean you can look up on youtube and watch some videos i mean they do a tremendous amount of damage to agriculture uh you know it's impossible you know for gardens and stuff like that and then plus they eat up quite a bit of the you know the foliage and all the the uh forbs and stuff that other animals like to and they they're they're real aggressive and they're they're actually smart i mean a, a hog is extremely smart so you know they're they're kind of cunning as far as trying to kill one. That's just like pork shoulder, bacon. That's what I was thinking. Bacon ribs. for everybody. I'm my, in. My Weber, uh, my, my Weber way. barbecue is just bacon. I'm going to need 12 dozen arrows. I'm on my way to South Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you don't have that problem to deal with, but you're, you getting trail cameras set up this time of the year. Yeah. There, you already got those. Year round. Yeah, I usually um, like for my trail cameras and stuff. I, I've um, 
I'm so addicted to the cell cameras. Uh, I mean, it, it's amazing how it's probably, in my opinion, in the last 15 years, the trail camera and especially the cell phone trail camera is probably the most innovative thing out there. I mean, there's a lot of innovations between archery, bows, guns. Uh, the laser rangefinder is one. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that's uh, important for your backpack and your your arsenal, but the trail camera has uh, has revolutionized, in my opinion. So I get addicted to them. Um, usually, I try not to put them out until July 4th because about that time the deer's antlers are, you know, kind of formed. I want to keep the pressure off the deer. Don't want to go out and disturb their areas. Let them, you know, just uh, um, low pressure from easily from January till now, just go back there just when you need to. But uh, I had one deer that is going to be on my hit list this year. He's probably, I think he's going to be six and a half this year. And I found half of his shed and uh, the stem of, you know, the pedicle was about an inch and a half long where it went down in his skull. I mean, it was the largest I'd ever seen. So yeah, I was, I was really, I had posted it on social media too. I was, I'm really concerned about him. So I left uh, two cameras out just so I could, because I thought he was going to die. I mean, honestly, I, it, it smelled. I could smell the shed antler from about 10 feet away when I found it. I mean, before I even got to it, it was all um, had uh, infection and, and pus and everything. It was nasty. And I thought, oh, man, this deer is going to die. We call him Nobby because he's got a huge knob on his uh, knee. So he's real. You can you can see you know which deer it is. Normally, when they shed their antlers, it's hard to tell them apart. But this one I could keep up with, all from the time he lost his antlers till now. So I kept two cameras out because I was like, man, I'm going to find him dead somewhere. He's got an abscess yeah. in his head and he's going to be dead. But he's made it through and his antlers are growing. Looks pretty normal to this point. I mean, we'll certainly know more in the next thirty to sixty days. But as of right now, he looks like he's going to be normal. I, and I don't know how he made it through that huge uh, thing, uh, the, the pedicle where it went an inch and a half down to an, into his skull, that had to be nasty for a few months, but he seems to be doing well. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. You got to on the hit list there. That's, and yeah, they, we'll be watching your, hosting your shows for, for that guy, for yeah. Nobby. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So, to take this where the, my, my thought process when we discussed, you know, having you on is who is Travis Turner? I want to go back as far as you'll allow us to go back. And have you always, I, I know you're, you're a Georgia boy. Have you always been, you know, the, the, of the outdoors? Were you more city? Were you outdoors? Were you always hunting? Were you always fishing? How did you get into that? And then how did you get on this, this track towards where you're at today? Yeah, well, um, I was born in Ohio. We moved to, you know, I'll try to bring you up to speed pretty quick, but uh, my father was a fireman in uh, Dayton, Ohio. My mother was from England. Uh, she didn't move over here until she was 26. And uh, sorry, Bill, I mean, with my wife, with my mom being English, I should be drinking tea, I know. But, uh, <laughs> you know <not> a <laughs> but I will not hold that against you too, too far, but please step it up. <laughs> I, I think you don't. My pinky doesn't bend that way. Let's just say yeah. that. <laughs> but but um, anyway, um, we moved to Georgia. My my dad had the opportunity to become a, a city of Atlanta firefighter. He was tired of shoveling snow in Ohio. He said, we're moving to Georgia. So with that said, we moved to Georgia. And uh, when I was like five or six, and uh, yeah, ever since you know I could tote a gun, I've always hunted and fished. I've been real fortunate to 
my uncles, my dad, uh, and, and, you know, mentors in my life have always been hunters and fishermen and outdoorsmen. And I, I've, I've grown up doing that. And then, um, I kind of got into archery. My dad had bought me a bow when I was like 11 years old for good grades. And, uh, I think probably that was the last time I got good grades, but (laughs) (laughs) he he didn't know what he was buying. He bought me a recurve that was too too strong. It was a 45-pound recurve, but for an 11-year-old, that's a little bit much. And I kind of got a bad experience in the archery, meaning like I thought, well, here I am, 11 years old. I can't pull 45 pounds. I don't like this, um, you know, archery. It's not not for me, but I, I love squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting. We would deer hunt from time to time. Wasn't a lot of deer in our area back then, but, you know, now they've come along real strong. So when I got out of high school, you know, naturally there's a huge transformation in, in somebody from 11 years old to eight. I'm playing football. I'm a big guy, but, you know, I'm benching 260-something pounds. Uh, and, you know, I'm almost 300 pounds in high school, and I'm sitting here, you know, but it's still in my head. I can't pull 45 pounds because that's the impression I got, the perception when I was 11 years old. So, Right out of high school, my buddies talked me into, I was really big into fishing, and they said, hey, we're, we're quitting fishing now. You know, we're going to start shooting our bows throughout the summer, and you should get a bow. And I was like, I was against it. Didn't want a bow hunt because I thought all you did was wound a lot of animals. Um, so they talked me into getting a bow because I was hanging with my buddies. I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. So I went to the local archery shop, bought a, bought a bow, got it set up at the store, and I was embarrassed it was an 80 pound bow and the guy backed it down to 64 pounds as, as low as it would go. And I wouldn't pull it back or try to pull it back in the store because I was embarrassed that I wouldn't be able to pull it. Well, my buddies were there with me and they were talking to a guy that owned the local archery range and they were getting, uh, uh, schooled about 3d archery. What was it all about? We've never you know, shot a tournament or they had never shot a tournament, but this guy was telling them all about 3d archery. Well, actually back then it was 2d archery. You had Excelsior bells. You had, uh, just, uh, paper targets with pencil lines on them where hmm. the, the kill rings were. And that, that dates me. That shows me <laughs> how old I am, but nonetheless, I'm getting my bow set up. I'm embarrassed because I didn't pull it back. I took a bow home. I just paid 300 and something dollars for and hadn't even pulled it back in the store. I get home. I'm like, at some point, I've got to try to pull this thing back. So I'm sitting there in my room that night, and I said, okay, here we go. And I'm thinking, man, it's going to take everything i got to get this 64 pounds back. And, and I know this is a silly story, but I'm telling you, it's the truth. And I, I go to pull the bow back, and I about rip the wheels off of it because <laughs> a guy, a guy from you know, he, he's way stronger at 19 than he was at 11. So instantly, I just had a wave come over me. It's like, oh man, I just, I'm going to be able to do this. So the next day, I went to my friend's house, and they're, you know, they're wanting to go to this tournament that they're having this Sunday. This is on a Wednesday. I'm shooting my bow for the first time. I, I take to it like a fish to water. I'm shooting really, really good, and I was like, "Man, I'm I'm really I'm really liking this. I've never been good at really anything in my life except for floating in a swimming pool and you know taking up a big spot on the line at, on football games." And I said, "Man, I, I might be pretty decent at this." But Saturday night, I'm all sighted in. We've had three days of good shooting with my buddies. They tell me to come uh, to the tournament. And I'm like, "No, nah, I ain't. I just own. I've only owned a bow like three or four days. I'm not going to this tournament." And they said, "Well, come on. We've never been." So they talked me into going. We go to the tournament. There's a they have a beginners division. They call it a novice division. We all joined that and we learned what it was about. You six of us went around. It's kind of like a golf. You go through the woods and you shoot at animals. It's like killing thirty critters and not even getting your hands bloody. And 
you come back in, you take you take your scorecards, you you you're on an honor system, you turn them in and see how you did against everybody. See, and and Bill, I was happy. Sorry, 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 T-Bone. I just wanted to point out to Bill that this could be an avenue more of, I know you've shot 3D, Bill. I don't know why you navigated. Those animals don't run away. They just oh, stand yeah. there and let <laughs> you that, shoot. Maybe the better opportunity for, for me to be there. I mean, then you got to yeah. stack up because it ain't moving. You better make that, get that shot count. But I'm just saying, yeah. sorry, sorry, T-Bone, carry on. <laughs> no, no. So uh, we get done and, and I was happy because I had, I had beat my, my, buddies i mean i I had the highest score amongst us and i thought man that was that was extremely fun you know we had a great time and i I couldn't wait to do more of it but lo and behold at the end of the day there was 30 something people in the class and i had the highest score of anybody so i was hooked like a fish from that point on this was in like 1988 yeah those Um, tournaments are awesome you know what i mean as a as a new bow hunter as a new person it gives you an opportunity to practice real real hunting scenarios and like God says, animals don't move. <laughs> they don't move. It, they it, don't. It, it, I have know, a blast out of. I do. I like them. Yeah, yeah. I did a bunch of 3D archery tournaments up here in, in, in Ontario, and uh, every one I went, I, I learned something. It, it set me up for the hunting season. That's right. I, I used to shoot uh, compound more than I do now. <laughs> I'm sure Todd will point that out in a minute or two. But um, yeah, no, it, it's a great way to get started, and, and the fact that you you just bought your bull and that was blows able to my win mind and like and yeah. shooting three days in a row i'd be i know i haven't picked up my bow uh, i hate to say it probably in in three months two months three months just because i've been i've been building a kayak i have an excuse it's my COVID project but i i after i know if i shot bow three days in a row oh my gosh i'd be crying i'd be the, the fourth <laughs> day i don't think i'd be pulling it back he's a little soft <laughs> yeah you're right 3d archery is is it's uh you can always get better. That's the great thing about archery. It's it's kind of ageless, timeless. You know, you know, big, small, old, young. If you can bend the string, it's it's for everybody. And it's a sport where you have to suppress your nervous energy. You know, yeah. so you don't necessarily, you, you don't really want that adrenaline like you would in a baseball game or basketball or football like that. You want to. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like golf. You know, you want to suppress that nervous energy. And man, you're just building confidence throughout the whole year. That's going to help you, and uh, you can apply that during the hunting season. So, um, I know. I know back then uh, we couldn't use rangefinders or anything in, in our tournament, so it taught you how to judge yardage too a little bit better. So yeah, yeah, we we didn't use rangefinders at all. I mean, at home sometimes we'll do it just because that's the way you hunt in a scenario. And like I had said earlier, that the laser rangefinder is a huge innovation, uh, you know, for hunting and stuff. And and I, I'd rather probably forget my bow than my laser rangefinder in a hunting yeah. situation. But yeah, there, it's always nice to know that you can rely on judging yardage on your own, especially like they have to in 3D tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. So from, so, from uh, there, you, you took yourself into. Yeah. Where, so from there, I, I won that tournament. Uh, we got extremely lucky and just, uh, just, I just dove head first and I couldn't get enough of archery. I worked for Mercedes Benz in Atlanta and I was spending as much time away from work. I was still single. You know, I was living at home. I was, you know, 19, 20 years old and, I was spending 40, 50 hours a week just learning about archery. And if you, if you do, you know, get obsessed with archery, you learn that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a mechanic in and teching on, you know, trying to build a better mousetrap. It's kind of a cross between golf and NASCAR. You know, you're always, you know, can I build a different era, weight the era differently? Can I tune this differently? I mean, all kinds of different things to, to aid and help you with accuracy and then certainly practicing too. So I just couldn't get enough of it. And then, 
fast forward, I, uh, I, I won my first state championship in 1990, and then uh, I was asked to be on the Browning manufacturer's team. I started touring around the country, uh, shooting national tournaments in the professional division. Were and, you still uh, luckily working? Luckily, I, 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 I won the world championships in 91 um, down in uh, Valdosta, Georgia. And uh, then, then just shot basically professionally um, all the way up to about 2002. I quit my job with um, Mercedes-Benz, opened my own store. I shouldn't say that. I went to work at a store for two years, learned the retail side in 1994. Me and a buddy of mine opened our own store. I moved farther south from Atlanta to get closer to where the best hunting and fishing was. Still continued shooting tournaments. See, that, that's a huge leap, though. You know, from from having something secure as a as you know, and, and this is where where the confidence in, in what you were doing stands out to me is you you were confident in your product, your your abilities. Your you took a leap of faith from a, a secure job with a guaranteed pension at the end of it, on a company that's not going anywhere going out in your own See, and I was just going to say we just skipped over like so much A yeah. in four no, I, years I to go he, right back to it. he went from being yeah. being afraid to enter a tournament in four years to win in the worlds and then taking sponsorship with 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 a with a an outdoor company while still working. I think that's the big, I, I wanted to focus on that. So you were still working at yeah. Mercedes Benz, but then I'm assuming every weekend you're having to go somewhere for an archery contest or representing the company? Like what did that entail? How did you balance those two? Yeah. So, um, on, on a local scale, you know, there'd be tournaments within, uh, you, you know, two or three hours. So sometimes we would shoot, uh, anywhere from two to four tournaments in a weekend. So like uh, Friday afternoon, you know, you naturally go practice or drive closer to where the next tournament was. And we'd shoot one tournament early in the morning on Saturday. We'd drive to the next one, shoot it that afternoon, and then do the same thing on Sundays. But on the national tournaments, you know, back in that day, there was probably only about six or eight a year. So I would take my vacation time and, you know, we'd use like Thursday for a travel day. I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, it was, it was like the early beginnings of a rock band. I mean, cause we would, there would be a team of us, you know, three to six of us and we would meet up and either you'd fly or you'd have some marathon 15, 17 hour drives and <laughs> we'd all switch off driving. And it, just like you know, the rodeo so trail. Reminds me, it so reminds me of rodeo trail. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just here. I'm hearing that you entered two, two rodeos in the weekend. I was gonna going say, to the city, Chatham, that city. Chatham in, on Friday night, yeah. Manitoulin Island on Saturday, St. <laughs> Teets by Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I didn't do that, that kind of crazy when I was riding Bill, I'd hit one rodeo a weekend if my body could take it. But, but yeah, that, that's just exactly it. You do what you got to do. And then back to work on Monday. That's it. Exactly. It's just, you, you know, and, and the transition guys, let me bring that back. Cause you, you, you know, that, that is something that you want to, and this is something that I tell a lot of people, you know, like you, you were asking, how do you get into this? And I, I tell everybody, of course, hindsight's 2020, you know, now that, you know, I'm, I'm close to 50 years old and you're looking back, but if you pursue your passion, you never feel like you worked a day in your life. All those things, because I was passionate about archery. I mean, you, you go that extra mile, you could work 80 hours a week doing archery stuff, but you know, because that was my passion, you never, you never, it wasn't even a blip on the radar rather than having to work 40 hours at a job that you didn't like. So it was, it was an easy jump for me. I said, man, I just want to do something in the outdoor industry, whether it was fishing, hunting and archery was so 
uh, on the top of the list for me. I said, you know what? While I'm young, my dad and uncles had told me this. They, you know, I got a two year degree in HVAC, and I never have worked in that industry at all. I mean, I <laughs> went to got me a degree. I still continued working for um, Mercedes Benz, but I said look, I'm still young. I'm living at home. I don't have any responsibilities. I don't have any kids. I don't have a wife. I'm in my early twenties. If I'm going to try this where it's just me, I know I got Mercedes I can fall back on. I know I got HVAC heating and air conditioning I can fall back on. I'm going to try this now. And if I fall flat on my face, I can always go back and do that. So while I didn't have, you know, so many people I think make the mistake of getting married early I shouldn't say a mistake. I should say that they fall into that. They get a lot of responsibilities and they can't take that. Hey, I'm going to pursue my passion and eat bologna sandwiches, you know, and see how it goes. They don't get that choice because they have a family and a mortgage and all that's, you know, required of them. So I'm really, really fortunate that I took that way when I was, when I was real young. So I started working in an archery shop. I took about a $15,000 a year pay cut. But I wasn't having to deal with the hustle and bustle traffic of going downtown Atlanta every day. I was going to this archery shop. I was telling hunting stories. I was listening to hunting stories. I was helping people with their dreams as far as setting their bows up. I was learning more about archery. I was just immersed in the outdoor and archery industry. And I was so happy working 80 hours a week and making less money. It was it was amazing. So I learned all I could about the retail side. And then my friend and I opened our business. And I'm going to tell you now, it, it was it was slim pickings for the first three or four years. We had a store, and even though, thankfully, I had uh, an archery career that I got sponsorship money, and I would win some tournaments and stuff, and that helped subsidize my income for having the shop because there was a lot of weeks. I mean, I'd sit in that archery shop, wouldn't see, but... 10 people that week and the cash register would only ring like $200 in a week. And you can't keep that up. So for three years, for for sure, those are tough times. Yeah. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't hold on to it for three years. And I always was reading that, you know, a a new business or a, a, you know, a a startup business, you got to try to weather the storm for three years. And, And the only thing that kept me going was I had subsidized income from shooting tournaments as well as, the passion, the passion that keeps you in there because, you know, I mean, we're eating bologna sandwiches and, you know, at the end of the year, you're looking at your, your tax, your taxes. And it's like, yeah, you made $11,000 this year. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this ain't going to last forever. But luckily caught traction, built up a good reputation. People from all over the state started coming to our store. I started having tournaments on my little place that I have here, started selling stuff at the tournaments. And the big jump start was I started doing all the work for Realtree and all the celebrities that worked for Realtree. Bill Jordan, David Blanton, Michael Waddell, they started bringing their stuff to my store, their camera guys. And I pulled David Blanton aside. This was in the mid-90s. And this was a huge uh, jump start or catapult. Is I told David, I said, listen, I said, how many times have you guys have looked in a magazine or an ad and watched a guy draw a bow back and he's the, the, the model that they're using for the bow, he's got the bow too, you know, behind his ear. He's not anchored right. The peep sight's way above his eye. You know, it, it's just not authentic. Anybody that's ever shot a bow, or if you see a guy fly fishing and he's holding the rod upside down or something, it's like you've lost all credibility with yeah, that ad because absolutely. you're not doing things the right way. 
um, you know, or if you're doing a kayak ad and you're upside down, you know, <laughs> well, that, that would be what I would do. I mean, yeah. that, that's for a life. That's a life jacket ad is what that is. I tell you exactly. what, I, you're making me want to just <laughs> quit my job and, and, and open a store, but I'm, I think I'm just going to go the TikTok route. I'm okay. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so I told David, I said, listen, I said, not to say that I'm the archery God by no means, but being this close to Realtree, you guys are the top, um, you know, hunting show and hunting DVDs and VHS out there. I said, I would love to be the liaison for any celebrity, any, uh, you know, pro athlete or anybody that you have as a guest or anybody that you would like to outfit. I'll be glad to set them up because anybody that, uh, has a positive experience in getting started in archery, you know, they're going to tell 10 friends and then they're going to tell 10 friends. And then before you know it, this sport is growing in a good way, because if, you know, if you get a bow and it's not set up correctly and you go uh, to the woods yeah. and you hit your arm and you're, you're, you're not very accurate, it's going to be a bad experience. You're going to drop that thing. So I, I told him, I'm saying I'm not per se the archery God, but I would love to be that person that helps you guys. And I said, and he, he, he could have told me to go pound sand if he wanted to, but he didn't. He said, man, that is awesome. And started using me, uh, behind the scenes for their, if you've ever seen the monster bucks DVDs where they have the archery tournament in between everywhere. Yeah. Uh, hunts, yeah. Own them all. The late- <laughs> yeah. Own every one of them. <laughs> yeah. So with that said, uh, you know, I started setting up the 3d courses because of my background in 3d archery. And then I became good friends with Jeff Foxworthy that's where the name T-Bone came from because I played oh, inside. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask so, you, I was going to ask you where that, that came from, but did Jeff Fox really give, give you that name? Well, actually I come up with a name. I never had been called that before, like five minutes before we're starting filming. I said, what are we going to call you? Because his character's name was Willie. You know, he had the Bubba teeth and the floppy yeah. hat. That and, and my character was, you know, like a cousin to him, but we need to call you something different than Travis. That's not hick enough. So, what can we call you? And I just threw T-Bone out there because it's easy to remember. And, you know, the whole time we're doing this, guys, I'm thinking this is my 15 minutes in front of the camera. I'm going to go back running my store and, you know, shooting tournaments. And that's the, but, but Hey, I, I got to be on the Realtree videos for 15 minutes in 1999. That's what I'm thinking. So, uh, and we didn't know it was going to take off, you know, that comedy would mix right in with, with hunting and such, but People absolutely loved it. Couldn't get enough of it. So we started doing the incomplete deer hunter tapes. And then Realtree asked me to, you know, I started doing appearances for them, grand openings. And uh, we started doing more and more and more. So that was a transition for me, early 2000s. I'm starting my family. Uh, Prize money for archery tournaments had went down quite a bit because national TV was covering us through the 90s. So the prize money wasn't quite as good. I still kept all my partners because I'm on TV. Uh, you know, in the archery industry. So I'm still able to celebrate them. It's just instead of tournaments, now it's through TV and, uh, you know, with Realtree. So it was a transition time for me. They were asking me to do more stuff. And then fast forward, you know, I've been friends with Nick and Michael all through the, since the 90s. And in 2006, I sold my store. A guy approached me about buying my store. I sold my store in 2006. And uh, I had to work for the transition period for two years. And in that time, me and Michael and Nick come up with the idea to uh, have Bone Collector the show, which was in 2007. And then we still work with Realtree, and we still work with Realtree heavily to this day. So, um, you know, at 2008, I'm like, hey, this is just, we're starting Bone Collector, and I'm not sure where this is going to go. I'm like, it'll it'll last three or four years, and surely I'll 
find a place that I can fletch errors somewhere. You know, I'm, I'm not, I just know that I'm taking the next step, the next door opened in the outdoor industry. And, you know, you, you, you stay humble, you stay appreciative and you just enjoy the ride. You know, it's a journey. And it um, exploded. So much, yeah, the yeah. bone collector, it absolutely exploded. Did you ever envision, you know, the three of you sitting around a campfire or whatever? Did you ever envision that that was going to take off like it did? No, no. That's and, and that's to my point. That's what I was saying. Is like, and I'm glad. I'm glad. Even to this day, me, Michael, and Nick are still humble. You know, we always think it. We always have Plan B. Me and Michael sit around, and I think because we all came from humble beginnings. You know, we didn't have a silver spoon, and you know, we, we still have Plan B. Like Michael's thinking, like, well, this is probably you know, we always in the back of our head. This is the last year of bone collector and. He goes, Dad, you know, he's still building some houses. I guess I can help him with sheetrock. And I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking, well, surely I can go to work in a store fletching arrows and, you know, serving up strings and stuff like that. I, I still think that way. And See, I, that, I think it's healthy that we do think uh, that way and yeah. that we're so appreciative. And that was my question, that right? Because so many hunters, outdoors folk would look at you and go, my gosh, these guys made it. They're set for life. And and, and my thought was, it, it are do you feel that way? Do you get that? you are set for life or every day are you like man the, the the rug could be pulled out i better make sure i because i know in my daily job i have that right what am i going to do if if this if the company i work for tanks and stuff and so being where you're at that those never go away right you still have that thought no, process no, it and, doesn't yeah. not for me at all i think for those people that think you know get too big for their britches they, 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 you know, they, they fail. Whereas we don't think that way. Meaning like, like I said, we come from humble beginnings. It's a motivator. I'm sitting here yep. thinking, you know, we work for the people, you know, if the people don't like what we're doing and our popularity goes down, Hey, we're done. You know I mean? That's just the end of it. Or, you know, if our platform is not working or we get too old, you know, and then the next generation or crew comes along. But luckily I think that our show speaks to people. It's not a lot of times, you know, and I ain't naming no names, but a lot of times within our industry, hunting is a barbaric type thing where you pound your chest and, you know, a lot of people pound their chest and say, I'm the great hunter. Or, or if you watch seminars, they're saying, this is the way you need to rattle in a deer. And, you know, and they talk down to people, whereas I hope that when people tune into our show and or us uh, out in public, you know, we don't meet a stranger. We hope that people watch our show and they feel like, man, you know what? Um, I want to share camp with those guys. That was a good time. And, and, you know, Oh, you know what? Yeah, they did hunt. And, you know, I, I think I do remember them killing a deer. That's the cherry on top, but the meat and the potatoes of our show, we hope that it celebrates everybody we run into and the whole essence of a, of a great camp and what the whole hunting experience is about. And I think that's what's been our success. Amen. You know, I want to interject here is, for a second. Sorry. I want to inject here because you're right on it. It's, that's what worked for me. I'm going to tell you right out that ever since you started the Bone Collector series, well, I have all the the Real Tree series, the, the Real Tree road trips, but I also bought all the Bone Collector DVDs, and the seat seat covers in my truck are Bone Collector. That's that, got a bit of the, a problem. The steering wheel cover is a Bone Collector, <laughs> and and every zipper I have on a jacket or whatever has a Bone Collector tag on it, and. My bath towel and washcloth are bone collector. My toothbrush, toothbrush holder is Kleenex box. Yes, and and uh, and yes, it, it, it worked it, for me. It's awesome. It's and because it's genuine. Because yeah, you're it genuine. Was fun. Well, yeah, and it, it was. That, well, you know, yeah, was what I was going to add to that is it. it it's it, it's exactly what you you said. There's exactly what we're trying to do with the podcast. Be relatable. Yeah. 
you know, have, have a story that you can say, you know what, I, I could believe it because it could have happened to me, you know, and, and you know, oh yeah, if you get something in the end of it, like, like you said, that's a cherry on top, but it's the experience, it's the ride, it's it's having a good laugh and, and good friends getting together and, and sharing some stories in good camp. That's, yeah, that's, that's being genuine. Yeah, 100%. Right? And, yeah. and we want to come across as approachable, meaning like if you, you know, if you, and, we, and I see it every day, you know, like you see me pumping gas, people come up and talk and, and you see so many people, not just in our industry, but celebrities period and and i and you know at the start of this you guys were saying pro how do you become a pro i I wanted to clear that up and make sure that we talked about that me michael and nick don't like the word pro hunter period because over half of our listeners are way better hunters than we are we don't like that we outdoor entertainer uh, you know there's really no difference than us than the people that are you know our, our fans or our viewers than us other than we got a camera in our face so we don't like the word pro hunter i mean yeah i guess the definition of pro is you get paid to do these things yes we do but we don't like the word professional hunter we're just like hunter we're just and if you had to put a label on it we're an outdoor entertainer we want to be approachable we want it to if you if you see me in line at dunkin donuts or uh uh, Timmy Horton. <laughs> hey, hey you guys, speaking my language hey, now. Shout out for Tim Horton. <laughs> yeah. So if you guys see me in line, you know, you can, we, we can have a conversation and it's like, man, I, that guy's a good guy. You know, whereas so many times in our industry or other celebrities, they're unapproachable. Meaning like, it's like, there is no way I'm even going to attempt to say hey to that guy because, you know, he's got his nose stuck up or I seen him in a seminar and, he made me feel belittled yeah. because he was telling me that I'm doing things wrong and I'm stupid or, you know, that, that is not the persona. We as hunters, we want to have fun do it. If, if you're going to hunt and you come home with your lip poked out because you didn't get anything, you're doing it for the wrong reason. I mean, absolutely, because there is so much more about the outdoor hunting experience or fishing experience or anything doing the outdoors than the actual harvest. I mean, again, I can't say it enough. That's the cherry on top. I mean, yeah, you get to take a, a picture with your kill and put it on um, Instagram or on social media. But at the end of the day, the memories you make and the feelings you have and recharging your batteries from a, a rough work week, that's what the outdoor experience is about. And so many people can't comprehend that that are not hunters or the ones that are in it thinking, I want to be a hunter just so that I can get a you know, a 10 point buck on the wall, they're doing it for the wrong reason. That's right. For the accolades on social media, just to say, yep, I agree. Hunter. See, I'm going to go on a limb and say, you can, you can check all of those thoughts that you're not, you, you need the backup plan. You keep that thought process. You guys are successful to your 140. Like that's yeah. well, I appreciate that, but I think it's, I think it's healthy and good. And I, that's what keeps us grounded and humble by not thinking that. So yeah, you got to understand that, that, that is, is an industry and you guys have got it figured out where you're, you're putting your thoughts into your land management and, and your property maintenance and whatnot, setting yourself up. So if that day comes where, you know, and I can never see it, that bone collector isn't relevant, which like I said, I can never see it, uh, that you have something that you could retire on and still have fun and hanging out with your, with, with your friends and, and harvesting and doing your passion, which yeah, and cool. and that's that's what it is, is. As long as you're pursuing your passion, meaning archery will always be. My wife and I, we built our new house uh, back in 2009, and you know, again, I didn't have a store then. Um, and when we built it, the dimensions I threw in there was I got to have 
I got to have 25 yards in the clear in the basement for an indoor <laughs> rink. So I told her that. And I said, from that point on, we can do anything you want. And then I built this nice, the first thing I did was built a, like if you watch stuff that we post on social media or YouTube or whatever, some of the tips and stuff, it shows me in a shop. Well, that shop's in my basement. It's not a retail shop or open to the public, but that's where we film things. And I still set up 40 or 50 bows a year. And my wife's like, why are you building this shop in the basement? She said, you sold your store like three years ago. This was in 2009. And I said, honey, I said, if I dipped septic tanks for a living, I would always be immersed in archery. I cannot, I, I can't get enough of building a better mouse trap or working on bows. And this is what brought me to the dance. I'm always going to work on bows. If I can bend a string, I'm always going to be doing something in archery. So that's do you not get that, uh, Do you get that opportunity to, to develop and I mean, with your connections for for the, the bow manufacturers and and, and broadheads and and do you get the the opportunity to develop and, and do a bunch of a much prototyping of your ideas? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, the broadhead, the um, the mega meat broadhead and the dead meat broadhead. I was very. I'm not. I mean, I don't want to sound arrogant or toot my own horn, but yeah, I was very instrumental. Not like in, Todd here, eh? <laughs> Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, that's mine. That's mine right there. I that's yeah. hey everybody. So, there hasn't been a podcast episode just to let you know where it says I don't want to brag, but yeah. that's, that's what you hear with It's Todd. nice to have a fresh perspective on here today. <laughs> when you're good, you're good. And that's just being genuine. I just, uh, never mind him. Go on with your story, Travis. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I was very instrumental in uh the product there and then you know, Hoyt and then uh, I mean all of these companies, we, we don't consider it a sponsorship. We hate that word as well because we consider any uh, group that, or, or company that we're involved with, we like to call it a partnership, meaning it's a, it's a marriage. We're going to be there. You know, uh, you can look at most all of our partners. I mean, there, there are some things you just can't avoid, but for the most part, we've been with, you know, with Realtree for, you know, over 20 years with Hoyt. I've been with them for 23 years, been with G5 for 13 years, Chevrolet over 10 years. I mean, all of our partners we've been with for a long, long time. And I hope that speaks volume about us. And, and, you know, through good years, bad years, through the trenches, we stay with them, you know, where there's so many of these shows or outdoor celebrities that they'll jump ship and go to another company the next year just for a couple hundred more bucks. And uh, it's, not about, you know, it's not about the couple hundred more bucks if you've got the right group and and, and companies that you're representing. It's well, about and making that partnership and the relationship from the weekend created. warrior right. side of things, right? So I shoot a Hoyt Maxis. It is the Bone Collector Edition. Had to have it, and that that because, it, like Dad said, we got a, we got a bit of a problem. But if all of a sudden you guys switched in a year to a completely, di- I'd be like, I just got this one. And why are they yeah. switching now? If they they pumped this one up so much, and was, this was the best bow on the planet, you got to shoot Hoyt. Like, this is the way to go. And now you switch over to another brand name. I won't say any. But you switch over to another one, and then, well, wait a minute. What does that do to the Weekend Warrior that's that's kind of um, drank your Kool-Aid, right? And it just yeah. – and that's why I say that's the genuine side. You guys, it's only – I know the products that you represent – you believe in or you wouldn't represent them. And That's right. that yeah. goes and a they, long way with week with uh, what yeah. I call myself oh, a weekend easy. warrior. It's easy. It's certainly easy to, you know, if you believe in the company, if you believe in the products, it's certainly an easy relationship and an easy partnership. So, you know, we want, uh, whenever it comes renewal time or, you know, as we're, 
going through the years, we want that company to feel like it's like it's a no-brainer to, to renew with these guys. You know, they've done a good job for us. We believe in them. They believe in us. And, you know, we're, we're, we're all climbing the ladder together, you know, through quality products and, uh, you know, uh, quality relationships. So th- that's been easy. You know, so a lot of people make it a lot harder than what they, they should. But like we talked about, these other uh, celebrities and or, you know, people in the outdoor industry, they, they get with a partner and then they jump ship the next year and then, you know, you, you're watching uh, old footage and, you know, it, you lose your validity because, like, you see one guy that has shot four different bows over the last six years. Um, you know, he, he, he has no more validity. You can point blank know that he's just going to shoot whatever, uh, you know, whoever's going to yeah. pay him $100 more. Yeah. There's no... <laughs> whatever they give him for free, that's what he's going to shoot. But that, that's, that's not what exactly. it should be about, right? And exactly. that, that's good. Yeah, I, I shoot a white Vectrix uh, when I shoot compound. But when yeah, I, I when, when you put any... your tea down, grab your coffee, yeah. and decide to enter the yeah. man ring <laughs> to pick up the but What I was, was going to add to that is I switched over to uh, crossbow because of my my time commitment, and I'm going to blame it on that, and not because I drink tea. Thank you very much, gentlemen, on the call. So, <laughs> hey, yeah. there's nothing wrong with a crossbow. You know, I get asked it because of. My background in archery, they they always ask, you know, and, and I can't stand when like a traditional bow hunter tries to poop on a compound hunter and a compound hunter tries to poop on a crossbow hunter. I'm like, at the end of the day, guys, we are all hunters. We're under one umbrella. We should be celebrating everybody. If they had a wrist rocket season, we should be celebra- celebrating that. So, you no know, crossbows certainly have their place. Um the, the innovations in crossbow technology, um, I've been working with 10 point for the last couple of years. It is absolutely amazing at what they've do, they're doing with crossbows. And if it gets more people buying hunting license in this day and age, then I am absolutely for it. I can totally see where a guy of a family of four wants to get his family into archery. He can't afford to get four complete archery set up. So he buys one crossbow that everyone in his family can shoot just to see if they're going to like it, get their feet wet, so to speak. And Hoyt actually did a study and it said that 68% of able bodies that can, that are capable of shooting a compound bow that start out with a crossbow within three years, they graduate to a compound bow. So, you know, it's a great stepping stone or a, you know, without breaking the bank, getting into archery and buying hunting license. That's the key there is keeping hunters in the woods, keeping them buying license. So if it's, if it's legal, we support it. We're, we're not, uh, we're not going to pop a squat on nobody. I don't know how much Bill paid you to say that. (laughs) Yeah. I was just going to say, I appreciate that. Completely well said. You would not believe (laughs) how much I get ripped on for shooting the crossbow. He just gave you to use Bill. Like (laughs) that's unreal. I'm set for another 10 podcast right there. (laughs) (laughs) You just added some validity to my argument. It's all in fun. Every, everybody I hunt with shoots a crossbow. And that's the reason I shoot a compound is so that I, I, I have something to differentiate. But dad, got, you, Bill, uh, Scotty. I got my reasons. It, yeah. I'll tell you what my reasons are. And, and I think they're, they're sound. I have younger children who are just getting into the, the uh, hunting world up, up here. You need to be, uh, um, you know, at 12 years old, you can get your apprentice hunter license here, but you can't 
pull enough weight on a compound bow at that point in time in order to make it legal. And I'm not putting a 30 out six in, in my 12 year old skinny frame uh, daughter's hands because she's not going to have an enjoyable experience if that that animal comes yeah, out. That'll be it. Gotta, one one trigger yeah, pull that, and so, you won't get her in the yeah, woods for a it. long you're gonna have time. One trigger pull, she's going to go away from it. She's not going to have a positive experience. So for me, the compound bow for my younger kids wasn't an option. But uh, but for me to be completely dead set honest, I don't have the time with my job to practice enough to make it uh, uh, a uh, a viable hunting solution. So I'm not going to worry about, Hey, am I going to put the pin in the right spot and potentially wound an animal cross crossbow hunting? I can set my crossbow up. I can get my, my family engaged in the sport and I can be confident that I can pick that crossbow up, put the crosshairs on and almost, and I'm, almost, I'm shoot an animal. almost, almost. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my defense. Oh, Hey, you're, you're spot on bill. That's great. That's, that's awesome. And, and more people should feel that way rather than being selfish and saying, you know, if you don't do it my way, you're not. And, you know, there's a lot of that, you know, well, you know, we, we hear emails and stuff all the time. Well, you guys, you know, y'all didn't hunt the, you know, do it yourself. Well, we do do some do it yourself. And we all cut our teeth on that. I grew up hunting public land. So, I mean, we, we've all experienced all that, but you know, at the end of the day, you shouldn't criticize someone for that. As long as they're hunting, with a legal weapon and or by legal means, celebrate it. I mean, if a guy doesn't care about deer hunting, but he loves rabbit hunting, celebrate it. In South Georgia and North Florida, they run dogs. Uh, They run deer with dogs, you know, hunt them like big rabbits. You know, that ain't the way we do it around here. Um, You know, and I've done it a few times, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, uh, poop on them for doing it that way. That's the way they like to celebrate. And if they're getting out, celebrating and doing things legal and having a campfire and having uh, good memories and bringing up their kids doing that. I am 1000% supportive of it. Agreed. That's yeah. awesome. Well said. Absolutely. Yeah. With everything that you, with everything that you hunt, everything that you do, what's your, what's your favorite hunt? What's your, your the memory that you, you have as crystal clear in your mind for when you think about hunting? Is, is there a story or a, one to uh, one hunt one. like that hunt yeah I wow that's that a question right look at like i i mean i could go through all the dvds and tell you his favorite hunt from there's my standpoint that's why like how do you ask this but a, i like it yeah I is that to. is that true Tebow? do you have that that one like the minute you think of hunting i know i i have my own right that my first buck was mine but, and somebody says, do you deer hunt? That's what comes to mind. But I like that question. Did, is there, is there that one hunt for you? There, there, there are so many of them guys. I mean, honestly, there are so many, uh, great memories. It, it is really hard for me to pick this one. I mean, like my first buck with a recurve was really special right here on my own farm. Cause I never thought I would own my own land. And, uh, you know, I bought my own place in 1999 and, um, was still living in a mobile home, me and my wife was, and I, you know, just, I, I had my own, only 27 acres, but I was like, oh my gosh, I killed, I killed a, a, a nice eight point buck with my recurve on my own farm. I'm like, man, I was in tears. And then, uh, the first year of bone collector, I'm a part of a show killed. I killed a, uh, 161 with Nick was running the camera. It was our first year of bone collector. We did it DIY in, in Iowa. Um, it was my biggest book at the time. That means a lot. Kansas. Uh, I've got some funny ones. I, I'm going to, I'm going to share this story. You guys can handle this. This is, this is most, this is a most memorable 
first time I ever hunted Kansas, probably 2008, I'm in a stand. The guy's name that's filming me is Stephen Bulware, and his initials are SB, so remember that. So I'm sitting up there, and I'm looking out over a field, and uh, the CRP, it's 8.30 in the morning, and I am on pins and needles. I'm like, I, I'm in the Mecca right here in central Kansas. I'm waiting for bucks to move. It's November the 3rd or 4th, you know, ruts right there, and it, it, I'm like, this is heaven. And uh, the camera guy, you know, they, you, they're they over our right shoulder. They're two or three foot above us, and they're over our right shoulder being a right-handed archer, and he taps me on the shoulder, and he says, T-Bone, he goes, man, he goes, I got to I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom. And I thought he meant take a leak. And uh, he said, no, nah. he says, I, I got to go. And I'm thinking, I said, yeah, I got to go too. You know how it is. If that, that pain hits you in the morning, you just, you tough it out. And you're like, we're going to get down at 10 or 1030. So just, just hang in there. We'll, you know, you just sit on it for a while. We'll get rid of it here in a little while. And he said, he said, no, nah, man, he goes, I got to go. And I thought, oh, you got to be kidding me. First morning in camp ever. So I'm I'm taking off my hunter safety vest. I hang my bow up, you know. And what's got to happen is that I've, it's a ladder stand. I mean, I got to climb down and let him climb down so he can go over in the bushes and uh, you know kill a grizz. So I'm like, golly, ruined hunt. So I'm I'm hanging up my bow and he goes, he taps me on the shoulder again. He goes, no, T Bone. He goes, you don't understand. He goes, I can't move. He goes, I, I he says I can't move. So he was gonna. What he's telling me is he's fixing that crap out of the tree. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And he goes, he goes, he goes, yeah, I gotta go. And I'm thinking he's gonna shotgun it down through the woods. And I'm like, this morning hunt is done. I'm hoping I don't get nothing on me. It's Kansas. It's windy. All kinds of things are running through. Me. Well, we're in Kansas. And uh, Blake Shelton, Miranda Lambert are in camp with us. Well, this is when we're hunting at uh, McMillan's. You can go back and look at this hunt. Actually, we got some. This, this is inside information. I'll tell you about it. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Mom, he says, if you'll just, he says, I got this figured out. Camera guys have got all kinds of gadgets in their bag, and he's digging around in his backpack. He goes, I'm, I think I got this figured out. He says, if you'll scoot as far over on your stand, I'll go over here like this. And he pulls out a Ziploc bag. He says, he says I, I'm going to go in this bag. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I'm. I'm facing out, looking out over the CRP. I'm hearing zippers go down, and I'm sitting here thinking, I cannot believe it's the first uh, day in Kansas. I'm in Kansas. My cameraman is pooping in a Ziploc bag <laughs> over my shoulder, and I, I pray to gosh, no morsel or nothing <laughs> jumps on my shoulder. So I said, no, I'm, I'm watching this. So luckily I thought about this. I turned around, and I'm, I'm like, I'm going to watch this because I, I don't want you know, I want to be able to dodge a bullet if I have to. And I was smart enough to take my phone out and I snapped a picture. This was, this was flip phone time. This was before iPhone. I had a flip phone and got a picture of it. And, uh, I, I'm happy to say that he, he, he's so talented and ambidextrous. There's no way I could do this. He made every morsel hit that bag. He zipped it up. and stuck it down. Every bit of it made it in there. It, it was, and and he did have to go too. There was no clumpage. It was all Denny Moore stew. I'm telling. You. So so anyway, we get down. I send the picture to. I send it to Blake. I send it to Michael, Nick. You know, as a group text. And they're saying, "Ha ha, that's funny." They just thought it was a random photo. They didn't couldn't see the face, and they didn't know who it was. And I said, "No, that's Bullware. That's right above me. That's Stephen Bullware." 
and they're like dying laughing. So we get back to camp, and uh, you know Blake was giving him fits, and Blake, Blake nicknamed him, uh, called him shitbag, is what they called him. <laughs> so, uh, pardon my French, but that was his name. But uh, anyway, um, they called him SB stands for. Uh, and to this day, his wife even calls him that. That's his nickname. Nobody knows him by Stephen Bulwer. They know him by shitbag. <laughs> so to add to the story, we laughed, and, and Blake gave him fits about it. So uh, to add to the story, the next morning, we're in this tree, 8.30, 9 o'clock. He leans down. We're in a totally different place, by the way. He taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, T-Bone. I said, oh, no, nah, man. Tell me not. He don't have to go through this again. And uh, he pulls the bag out. He had forgot to empty it out of his backpack. He had that he had that grizz in his backpack for 24 hours. So he shows me the, the bag, and I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. So anyway, we laughed about that. Luckily, it didn't break in his backpack. But if you watch that episode, you can watch it on my outdoor TV. If you watch that episode in the credits, it shows him running around camp chasing everybody with a Ziploc bag. And uh, what he had done is he played a joke on us later in the week. He poured Denny more stew in the bag. Actually, it wasn't uh, it wasn't his crap. And he's chasing us all around the camp, and that's that's part of the credit. So, so anybody listening to this or you guys, if you watch that, go back and watch that show. You you'll know that I know what that means now. So I that, love that was it. a true story. I, and that's I still got this. Yeah. So uh, I, I know that was probably not what you're thinking about memorable stories, but that was pretty memorable. It's pretty hard to forget something like that, I will tell you. And now yeah. you share a bond. <laughs> you, yeah. There's a bond, for there's, sure. There's a bond. That's the stories of this podcast. Right? Those aren't kill stories. Those are stories of memories and things that you'll never forget. You had a good laugh over. And I tell you right now, I got a smile from ear to ear hearing a story like that. That's and if sure. anybody takes the tip away, this could be the tip of the month for our podcast. Really? Don't don't eat fiber-based cereal before you go out in the woods. And if you do, bring an extra large Ziploc bag. That's what, that's what tip I took out of this podcast. Always bring a Ziploc bag while you go hunt. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to go with the hefty I, sack, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly do not want to miss. Oh, you got to come yeah. on again. You you definitely have to come back. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, be glad yeah. to. Yeah, we. Uh, I think I'll go with the contractor's bag from Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, that almost sounds like an almost guy moment right there. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that almost could have went bad. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> that's <Nope>. dedication <laughs> yep I'm, I'm i can't i hey he better get a raise i'll tell you what <laughs> that's, yeah, that's hazardous pay huh that, right <laughs> that's it no doubt no doubt great huh well that's good i really really appreciate you coming yeah, really uh, yeah we don't want to suck up any more of your time this has absolutely been an unbelievable pleasure. We really do appreciate it, Travis. This is uh, this is awesome. This was the insight oh, that that we were looking you. for, and 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 stories is it's a boot. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys. Keep up the good work, man. It sounds like you guys have got a really great podcast, and you know, seventy nine uh, episodes that that speaks volume for what you're doing. And uh, keep uh, flying the flag like you're doing. Uh, you know, like we talked about, as as long as it's legal and. You know, you're Celebrate. having fun, yep. you know, enjoy the outdoors, make sure we get more people buying hunting license. Uh, amen. Absolutely. No, Absolutely. I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank yep. you. Yep, Thanks, be glad Travis. to come on again, guys. Just, oh, just huh? get with me and uh, be glad to. No, it'd be, oh, it'd, be our, awesome. it'd be our honor. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right. Thanks, Travis. Yep. Yeah, really thanks. appreciate it. And that'll do it for this week, folks, for the Redneck Country Podcast. I'm Bill, the Almost Guy Tom. And I'm Todd. And thanks for listening. And folks, if you want to be part of the podcast or you want to give us some feedback or really contact us about anything, feel free to email us at podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Again, that's podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again next week.